1 John chapter number 4, verse number 7 through 21, I'd like to read as we get started. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that God, that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. We have known and believed the love that God hath, hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. I was meditating and thinking on this text this past week. And, you know, I'll tell you what, folks, the love of God is a powerful thing, is it not? In fact, verse 8 tells us, it says that literally God is love. God is love. We might not be able to quite comprehend that, but God is love. Okay? Then verse 8, John proceeds to write, He that loveth not, what? Knoweth not God. How can you say you know God and have not that love of God abiding and residing in you? You can't because if God's in you, Love is in you. You see, God is a source of love. And if the love of God is absent, if it's missing in my life, then I have a very, very serious problem, friend. Because John says, an individual that loveth not, knoweth not God. That's very direct, very pointed, right? Now listen, folks. I think this is part of the reason it is so vital um, that when a man and a woman decide to get married, that they first have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you what, without the Lord, think about this now, God is love, right? Without the Lord, we cannot know real love. If the Lord is missing in my marriage, then real love is going to be missing in my marriage too, because God is love. 
Whenever I counsel, and I've counseled with couples usually before they get married, at other times I've counseled with couples as well, uh, but whenever I counsel with a couple, I always talk about a love triangle. At one corner you have the husband, at the other corner you have the wife, and, uh, but at the top is the Lord, and as each of the spouses look to, to and love the Lord, they are drawn closer together in true love, one for the other. Amen. Because God is love. As Solomon also wrote in Proverbs, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Listen, friend, if you want a marriage that can withstand the gates of hell, amen, it needs to be a love triangle. Amen. It needs to be a threefold cord. Where we find two in that marriage looking up to and loving the Lord. And we find two lives intertwined together with and by Jesus Christ who is love incarnate. Because if he is not the one our marriage is wrapped around. If he is not the one at the top of our marriage which draws us together. Then real love will be missing because God who is love is missing. Listen, folks, the people in this world don't understand what real love is. Our world has no concept of what real love is. Um, the vast majority of people in our world equate love with lust or physical attraction, or they equate it with that fuzzy in love feeling that they get when they first start dating or courting somebody or seeing somebody. And when these things start to fade in some way or manner, then they say, well, I guess I wasn't in love. And so they go looking for someone else to fill that void because they didn't understand what real love was to begin with. This type of concept of love, it's self-centered and it's all based on an individual's desires and feelings and emotions and that's not real love. Real love is an act of the will. Real love is a choice. Okay, listen folks, that's, that's the reality of it. You want to see real love? Go over to Miss Virginia's house and watch how she cares for Brother Roy. That's real love. She's not getting anything in return. Okay? That's real love. Listen, folks, that's not what our modern culture thinks of as love. They try one out and then they go to another out and try another out when they get worn out with that one. Because they've got tired of them. They never loved them to begin with. They just lusted after them and were physically attracted and had that fuzzy in love feeling. And then when that all went away, goodbye, I'll get somebody else. And you know what? The cycle doesn't end because they never understood what real love was to begin with. May God help us. Listen, our world is so corrupt. It's so perverted. And it's so self-centered. They don't even understand the concept of real love. I mean, think about this for a second. Jesus does not look at us and say, I think I will love them because they are so desirable to me, right? <laughs> That's completely contrary to what the Bible says, right? The Bible tells us that when we were yet vile, when we were ungodly, when we were undesirable sinners in the sight of God, God demonstrated his love to us unvile, our vile, ungodly sinners by Christ dying for us on the blood of the cross. See, real love is a commitment to give of yourself for another. Not about what you can get for yourself out of another, which is what our modern era 
considers love. I'm not in love with you anymore if I'm not getting what I want out of you anymore. I understand the world's concept of love is completely contrary to this. It's self-centered. It's selfish. It's all about me and what I want in my life. If I don't get that, I'm gone. You know what, folks? That's why we have an epidemic in our country and our society today. We have an epidemic of divorce. We have an epidemic of infidelity and shacking up and all these awful, horrible things. A lot of people don't even want to get married anymore because they don't even understand what real love is. But this love of God, this real love, this true love, it will make a powerful Listen, folks, it will make a dramatic, a powerful uh, a difference in your life, friend. It cannot be held. It also will make a powerful, vital difference in your marriage as well. Yes, right. And in your relationships. That's just the way it's going. That's the way it is. For it is, listen, it is an act of the will that is chosen. Now, I'll tell you what, it's what a, what a sham marriage vows have become today, have they not? Marriage vows don't mean what they used to. In fact, I think the easiest way I can equate what marriage vows have become today is like all the people out there today that are saying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, forgive me, forgive me, and save me, amen. I'm saved, and they go keep living like the devil, right? They said those words, they prayed that prayer, but there was no action and no intent and no real sincerity involved with it. And that's very much the same way people take their marriage vows today. They go to an altar before an old-fashioned preacher or a justice of the peace or whatever it may be. They say those vows which says in sickness and in health till death do us part, right? I mean, this is a lifetime commitment and dedication one to another. You're supposed to be committed, amen. But they don't mean it. I'm in love with them. I'll marry them. When I fall out of them, love with them, I'll no longer marry them. Goodbye, friend. It's become worthless. In the eyes of our community and our society, that's not the way God intended marriage to be because God intended for marriage to be centered around real love, the love of God. And when your marriage is centered around the love of God, listen, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it because Jesus Christ is at the very center of it. Praise the Lord. I'm celebrating 18 years with my wonderful wife tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe I should say praise the Lord. She's put up with me for 18 years. <laughs> but I believe that's the case because from the very beginning, we made sure that Jesus was going to be at the top of our marriage. Jesus was going to be at the center of our marriage. And I've shared with you before when we got married, we came down at the end of the ceremony. We went uh, to the altar, and we knelt down and prayed together that God would bless our marriage as we sought to live for him and follow him and serve him together as a couple. I'll tell you what, that's the way it ought to be. I know some couples, they'll even get a ring that's like a three-fold cord because they want to remind themselves that they want God in the very middle, in the very center of their marriage because they realize that's what's going to hold them together. We need the love of God in our marriage, in our lives. And listen, if it's there, it's going to make a very powerful difference. If it's not, it's going to be very, very evident. You see, 
If this genuine love of God is seen in your life, you better believe it's going to make an impact on all friends. If it's absent, then you can be sure you're going to see the tragic results and consequences and tragedies that go along with it. A life void of the love of God. Listen, friend, it's a life on the way to hell. Because God is love. And if God's missing from your life, then you're not getting into heaven. But it's also a life that will endure great heartache and trial all along the way because that which is most vital and important in their life is missing the love of God. So I want us to examine today the difference that the love of God will make. Okay, The difference that the love of God will make. Listen, it's going to make a difference in your marriage. But I'll tell you what, it ought to make a difference in your life if you have truly trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior as, as well. Because if that's not evidenced, okay, if the love of God's not evidenced in and through your life, it's probably because you don't have that relationship with him because God is love. Amen. So let us notice a difference that it makes. Notice, first of all, I want to look at verse 9 and 10, okay, of our text. Verse 9 and 10. It says here, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. That we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation. That means the payment for our sins. You look also over at Romans 5.8. Probably many of you have memorized this verse. But God commendeth, that means demonstrated, his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. You see, listen, folks, in Jesus, we see a perfect example. We see a perfect demonstration of real love because he is love, okay? And truly, his love for you, his love for me, has made a difference, has it not? Amen. I'll tell you what, think about it for just a moment. We were on our way to hell, amen? Vile, law-breaking sinners, enemies of God, fighting against Him day by day by day, warring with God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on an old rugged cross. Christ shed His blood for us on an old rugged cross. Praise be to God. For the ungodly, for the unholy, for the vile, he died for us. And his love has so powerfully affected my life that it has completely altered my course in life. Because his love and his mercy and his goodness towards me that was demonstrated to me on that old rugged cross, it has caused me to turn to Jesus. <laughs> as my Savior, to give him my life, to trust in him, to save me from my sins, to follow him as my Lord and my Savior, to let him be the king of my life and to just live for him with all my heart because I love him and I see what he's done for me on that old rugged cross. Amen. Truly, think about it, friend. The love of God has made an enormous difference in my life. And were it not for the love of God, were it not for that love that was demonstrated to you and me on an old rugged cross, I think it's hard telling where we'd be today. 
Probably many of us wouldn't even be here this morning. Probably we'd already be buried somewhere because our lifestyles would have led us to an early death. Many of us would not have the marriages or the families that we have because we would have been living much more vile lifestyles. But because of the love of God that had a powerful impact on my life. Listen, it made a difference, amen. Did not the love of God that was demonstrated on Mount Calvary on an old rugged cross where the blood dropped out of the hand of God was it not something that made a difference in your life, friend? If it didn't make a difference, let me tell you, it's because you did not get the love of God. Because if the love of God abides in you, it's going to make a powerful difference in your life. How could we say otherwise? I don't think we could. We'd just be deceiving ourselves. Listen, the first thing I see here is that he loves me. And boy, what a difference that makes in my life. But also I see the difference that I love him. That happens in my life as well because of the love of God. I love him. Look at verse number 19. Very simple but profound statement. This is a, a verse that Pastor Rue used to quote all the time. Almost every time he prayed, he'd want to say this verse. We love him because what? Because he first loved us. I'll tell you what, friend, truly. His love for us, it is so powerful that it demands a response. It demands a response. And if I have truly received the love of God into my heart and my life, then His love for me, listen, it causes me, it constrains me to love Him as my Lord and my Savior in return. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that the love of Christ constraineth us. It's almost like it just compels us. It, that we cannot do anything different. It just cannot be helped. You see, if you have received the love of God into your life, then out of an abundance of gratefulness, out of an abundance of thanks, you will desire to love him and to live for him in return. If you don't, it's probably because the love of God does not abide in you. And you don't have that relationship with God. This is why the Apostle Paul could state in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, and I preached a whole message out of this text, but he says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus, anathema maranatha, which means let him be accursed for the Lord cometh. Why could he say that? Because the love of God is so powerful. It is so extremely powerful in the life of an individual that, listen, that if it has truly been received in your heart and life, then listen, friend, you're going to want to love him and live for him in return. That's going to be the natural want to, the natural desire. The one exception would be that you are still an unregenerate lost sinner that is fighting against the love of God in your life. Fighting to live your own way. Fighting to follow, love the world and, and do what you please and not care about God. That would be the one exception that it does not have that impact on your life. For the love of God, listen friend, it makes a difference. And the very first difference I see, first of all, 
it makes a difference to me in how I've got saved, but it also makes a difference to me in that now I love him in return. <laughs> that is a natural desire. I mean, you know, Jessica demonstrates her love to me. I want to love her back. I demonstrate my love to her. She wants to love me back. Is that not our natural response? Well, when we receive the love of God into our life and we really comprehend all that Jesus did for us on that, that old rugged cross, hey, listen, it says, how can I give any less than my best for Jesus? Boy, I just want to live for him. I want to please him. I want to love him with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might because he gave everything for me. He loved me so much that he died for me on that old rugged cross. And boy, I want to love him in return. I love him because he first loved me. And it makes that powerful difference in my life. I notice also here the difference that it makes that I love the brethren as well. So he loves me. That makes a difference. Also, I see it makes a difference that I love him in return. I see it now makes a difference that I love the brethren. Look with me, if you would, at John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. So not only does the love of God cause me to love God, but it also causes me to love his children. This is another reason why it's so vital when two people get married that they both have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it creates a bond which is even that much stronger if you both have that personal love relationship with Jesus Christ. Now notice what it says here in John 3, verse 13 and 14. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Because what? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now that's a powerful statement, right? Okay. We know, this is not a question mark, right? We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And Jesus said in John 13, 35, All men shall know that ye are my disciples if, if ye have love one to another. Listen, friend, the love of God is so powerful that it will give you a special, one-of-a-kind love for your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Listen, this week we, we lost one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it feels like I've lost a member of my own family. It really does. I love Brother Mark that way. And I feel that way about you all as well. I would feel like I've lost a family member. And that's the way it ought to feel, okay? Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, listen, and the love of God is so powerful, it, it just gives you a special, one-of-a-kind love for your brothers and sisters in Christ who also have received that love of God as well. Uh, this this is, is kind of a special bond that, you know what, the world just can't comprehend this, can they? They don't understand why we always want to come to church. <laughs> because they're void of the love of God. That, they don't have that. But for us who are born again, and we have truly and sincerely trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and the love of God abides in us, let me tell you, it is very real, it is very evident that we have a special love for the brethren. And I'll tell you what, as a preacher, this really gives me concern. 
When I look out and I see those that say they're Christians, but they don't care to faithfully attend the fellowship of the believers in the church house. Good. Because you know what? I know that if the love of God abides in you, you're going to love the brethren. Amen. You're going to want a fellowship with the people of God in the house of God and with God himself in the house of God. Amen. Amen. It's listen, it's it's not. It's like somebody's going to drag me down here to preach every Sunday or every Wednesday or every Sunday night. Listen, nobody has to drag me down here. I love coming to the house of God, amen, because I love being around God's people. And I love God as well. And I love serving him and living for him. And if that's absent in my life, it's probably telling me, you know what, I, if I don't really care to regularly fellowship with the born-again believers, it's probably because maybe the love of God's missing in my life. Because you know what? If it was there, you'd want that. That's, that's a natural desire, okay? The love of God will make a difference in your life. It made a difference when he demonstrated it towards you on an old rugged cross. It made a difference and that you loved him in return. It makes a difference that you love the brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. It also makes a difference in that I love others. You know, the world doesn't love others. You look at the news today. They don't love others. They don't care about anybody but themselves. It's a bunch of foolishness and wickedness and ungodliness we see happening in our country. That nobody cares about anybody but themselves. Got these things out there. Black lives matter. And I'm not picking on black lives matter. But you know what? All lives matter. Yes. The Bible says we're of one blood. I'm the least prejudiced person I know. I don't, I, I don't distinguish between color or race. Everybody, is, everybody needs to be saved. I wish our church was filled to the brim with all tongues and kindreds and nations. Amen. Because that's how it's going to be in the kingdom of heaven. I'll be praising God. That's the way it ought to be. We ought not to focus on one color, on one race. We all belong to God. We all need to give our lives to God and trust Him as our Savior. And God, if the love of God abides in an individual, He's going to have a love for others. Amen. Not Jesus loves the little children, right? All the children of the world. doesn't matter what their color is. doesn't matter what their race is. Jesus loves them. And if that love of God abides in you, you're going to have a love for them as well. Look what the Bible says in 1 John 4, verse number 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. If we love one another. That's a characteristic of God's people. Love one for another. Then you go down and look at verse number 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother. Now, I don't think this is specifically talking about um, your brother in Christ, but just your brother as in your fellow man, okay, in this particular text. But if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Listen, folks, if, if the love of God abides in me, I will love God. 
I will love my brothers and sisters in Christ. But you know what? I'm also going to love others. That's the reality of Jesus in you. The love of God in you. I'm going to love my fellow man. You know, when, when Jesus looked out on the multitudes, what did it say of him? It said that he had compassion on them. He saw them as, a, as sheep with no shepherd. He was, he was concerned about them. He loved them. And listen, friend, if he who is the love of God, if he abides in me, how could I despise or how could I care less about that which Jesus loved so much that he died for on an old rugged cross? Truly, we like Jesus ought to have a special compassion and a special love for those who are lost and need Jesus Christ. And we ought to desire for them also to be saved. You know, it should be a funny thing that if I'm saved and have the love of God abiding in me, I ought to want others to have that as well. And I'll tell you what, truly a person which is void of such love and compassion towards those that are without Christ, to those that are on their way to a literal burning hell, such a person is a person who ought to wonder if they themselves have the love of God in them. Think about that for a second, friend. That's a powerful thought. Because listen, if the love of God abides in you, you're going to love what he loves. And he loved the law so much that he died to save them. Spurgeon said this. Have you no love or have you no wish for the lost to be saved? then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. That is a very powerful and pointed statement by the man they called the Prince of Preachers. But let me tell you, there's a lot of truth there, friend, because if you have no desire for others to be saved, and you could care less if they're going to go to a literal burning hell, that ought to demonstrate to you that maybe the love of God is missing in your life. Because listen, when the love of God is in your life, it's going to make a difference. It made a difference when he died for you on that old rugged cross. It made a difference in that you love him in return. It makes a difference in that you love the brethren. It makes a difference that you love the lost world, the others in the world around you. But I also see it makes a difference in that my love is now lived out in my life. As we look at this lastly today, I want you to look at 1 John 4, verse 16 and 17. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now think about what's going on here. He says that love is made perfect, and then he goes on to say that as he is, so what? So are we in this world. Listen, friend, his love in us will not let us live for and love the world because that, my friend, is antichrist. But his love in us compels us. His love in us constrains us. 
to live a life which pleases him and honors him who first loved us. Listen, friend, real love acts, right? No one would believe, you know, you wouldn't believe your husband or your wife loved you if they never did anything for you. They never bought you flowers, wives, right? They never, they never uh, helped you with anything. They never did anything for you. They just came home and said hi, bye every day, right? No real love acts. There's action behind that, okay? And I, I've heard many ladies say, don't just tell me you love me, show me you love me. Well, there's some reality to that, right? Love is demonstrated in actions. Jesus demonstrated his love for us in action, did he not, when he died on an old rugged cross? Real love is acted out, not just set out. So, if this real love acts, and if your love is not lived out in action, then it is empty words with no reality, right? You see, listen, folks, okay, this is, the, this is the reality, okay, and this is what we have down here in the Bible, though. Anyone can say, I love God with their lips. Anyone can say that. Anyone can say with their mouth, I love God. And many do down here. They'll say, oh, I'm saved, and I love God, and I love Jesus. But how many of you say, I love God with your life? There's a distinct difference, and the difference is the reality between those who really have the love of God abiding in them and those who don't. Listen, friend, the love of God, it, it's, it's so powerful that it will compel you. It's going to constrain you to want to live a life that pleases him, that honors God, if it's in you. Now, if that desire is not there, you don't care, you don't feel constrained, you don't feel compelled. You don't feel chastised by God when you just don't care how you live. Then that's probably a testimony that that's missing in your life. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can possess the love of God. Let me repeat that, friend. Don't deceive yourself into thinking I have the love of God in me. But it's not going to make any difference in my life. There's no truth in that. Read this statement over, this whole text. Read it over again and see what type of difference the love of God will make if it's in you and in your life. It will make a vital, it will make a powerful, it will make a distinct difference which can be clearly and visibly seen by those that are around you. You see, if you have truly repented and trusted Christ as your Savior, then you have received the love of God in your life. And if it's there, it is going to make a difference. Praise the Lord. As we all stand to our feet now, our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the pianist is going to come. I'll tell you what, I'm so thankful for the love of God. So thankful for the love of God that was demonstrated to me on an old rugged cross. As unworthy as I was, he still died for me that I could be saved. And I know that the Bible is so abundantly clear that if that love of God that was demonstrated towards me, if it abides in me, in my heart, in my life, because I've received him as my Lord and Savior, I know that just like it's made a difference in my life, it's going to be powerfully seen as it's lived out as well. As the pianist begins to play this morning, if the Lord spoke into your heart, maybe you want to just come forward today and say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you so much for the love of God that was demonstrated for me. 
Thank you so much for what you did for me on that old rugged cross. Maybe you want to come forward today and, and you want to just say, Lord, help me. Lord, I know maybe I've not been demonstrating the love of God to those around me the way I ought to. But I know the love of God abides in me. It's just I've been hiding my light under a bushel a little bit lately. And I need your help, God, to, to demonstrate that love of God in my life the way it ought to be. Lord, spoken to your heart, we come and pray this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, and as I was preaching, you'd say, Preacher, you know what? The Holy Spirit's been tugging at my heart through this because I realize that although I claim to be saved, I don't really see the evidence of the love of God in my life. I don't see this made a powerful difference like you talked about, and I think it's probably because I don't have the love of God in my life. Is there anyone like that here this morning? Raise your hands and preacher, please pray for me. I don't know for sure that I have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know for sure that the love of God is in me. I don't see any hands. God knows your heart, friend. He's been dealing with you. I hope you won't neglect to hear his still small voice. You don't need me or this church to get saved, but you need Jesus. You need the love of God. And if that love of God is not in your life, where there's going to be a whole lot of problems that will be associated with not possessing that. If you're spoken to your heart, you couldn't pray this morning.